You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So great to be here. John ought to be in movies. I see you up here, man. I go, he looks like he could like be in a movie or something. I want you to know I'm your brother from another mother, whether you realize it or not. I love this church. I love Pastor Jurgen, Leanne. I love everything that God is doing here. And just, and this is my second prophecy tonight, just as God has changed the name of this church, he's changing some things that have had a name in your life that are not of him. It's not just a name change of the church. God's saying there's stuff that you've been carrying, names of stuff like abuse, names of stuff like divorce, name of stuff like shame, name of stuff like disease. And in the name of Jesus, with the name of this church, you are the church. God's saying, I'm changing the name that has been against you because God is for you. So I hope you receive that in the name of Jesus. Would you receive that? So for the next few hours, I mean minutes, I want to talk to you about having an unstoppable spirit in a stoppable world. My message and what I coach and what I teach, thank you, by the way, these gifted musicians, y'all are amazing. Thank you so much. But... uh, One of the things that I've done for many, many years have been a corporate coach, a personal coach. Now I lead masterminds in um, different states in the United States, trying to, at this point in my life, help people to really reach their their full God-given potential. And uh, I'm just going to say this. This is not a shameless plug. It's something I hope will help you because some of you you could never afford coaching at this point in your life. And so, but one of the things you can do is you can invest in yourself. Right. And so what I've done with this, this is, this is like, don't tell anybody this, but like the people that I coach, it's all in here. Uh, but don't, don't tell them I said that. Um, but it really is. This is my life message. And I talked about it sometime the last time that I was here. But this is, this is the, whole, the whole thing. Uh, normally it's $198, a workbook. The, um, there's DVDs, but there's also USBs and just, just ways to learn and grow yourself and to discover, develop, and deploy your divine fingerprint in the earth, your X factor for success. And uh, normally we sell this for $198. We, I think we only have a few left because we sold out this morning at your other campus, but I'm doing these just for half price, and I want you to get it. I want you to put it in your hands. And then uh, this is, this. I, I don't know, I just like T-shirts. I almost wore one tonight, but this is... Um, this is actually my fingerprint, but don't tell anybody. Uh, but, but it really is. And then on the back, you have a fingerprint nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. And so, um, so and then they, these are brand new. And, and some of what I'm going to talk about tonight is a synopsis of this. But uh, my mamma, who prayed me back to life, some of you remember that story. Uh, since I was with you last, I wrote a book, and it's called Mamma's Tenants for Life. When I went out to publishers, uh, because there, there's several publishers who have been wanting me to submit books. They said, that's a horrible name. And uh, 
I said, good. I'm going to self-publish it. And so, because I want this, because this is, these are 20 things that my mamaw taught me. She was my original life coach, and it's in a story form. Uh, real stories that happened growing up, and in the context of the story, the real story, she gave me the principle or the tenet for life. The, and, and so that's, that's a little bit. And then how to defeat Satan's number one weapon. You may not understand this, but the enemy's greatest weapon against you is not some kind of outside force that gets on the inside of you. It's what comes out of your mouth. So I'll talk about that. These, these two come together. And then this is the best bathroom book, toilet book in the world. Uh, this is called Leadershipology. And, uh, and so uh, I coined that word several years ago because ology on the end of any word, biology, kinesiology, psychology, the ology on the end of any word means philosophy. So this is just a very concise philosophy of leadership, leadershipology. So you go in the restroom, you take this off of the back of the toilet, and, uh, and while you do your, oh, don't, don't be embarrassed, it's okay. It's, it's like we all do it. <laughs> I did it before I came out here tonight. I, uh, so like, like your wife asks you, she goes, you need to go to the restroom before they put the mic on you because I guess something's happened here before. But I, I went ahead and put the mic on, then I went to the restroom. Anyway, so, uh, so, so, but that's happened to me before. It's gone over the whole, anyway, okay, so, 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 what is a leadershipology? Benjamin Franklin, 1752, here's what he said. If you can dial in a thought, in a quote, you can change the world. He said, that's how Proverbs, the book of Proverbs has impacted my life. So that's what these are. It's a quote. It's, it's things like, your attitude is the hinge that the door of your destiny swings. And then there's a TBQ. There's a thought behind the quote. So while bad stuff goes out, good stuff goes in, and you put it on the back of the toilet, and you keep it in there. And so anyway, that's that. And then if, if, if you don't want to invest that much in yourself, you can get just the book and the study guide. And it's all available to you. And I hope you'll avail yourself. I'm going to sign some books tonight, and it's going to be awesome. But I want to talk to you really uh, in this new era of your church of not only how to have an unstoppable spirit in an unstoppable world, but how to be an unstoppable church. Because the church is not this building. This is his house. You are the church. You are the church. And so with that said, I want to just give you some context, and then we're going to try to jump into this uh, with the time that I have left. Uh, and again, just an honor. Thank you so much. Um, God has always been looking for a people. So we get to, you know, everybody knows Adam and Eve, they, like they were first and that didn't work out very well. Their family became very dysfunctional. That was like the first people, you know. And, and then by the time you get to, in fact, uh, let me borrow your physical Bible uh, just for a second. Uh, thank you. I mean, I've got like uh, 200 of them in here. But, uh, but let me just show you this, this from a physical Bible because I really want you to see this. So, so by this time in Scripture, we're two pages in, man has already fallen. I just want you to get the picture. It's like God creates Adam and Eve. It's utopia. And I can talk to the animals, walk with the animals. I mean, he is that guy. And by the time you get to Genesis 3, the wheels have come off. This is the way back. You need to be at freedom tomorrow night. Why? 
because you know what this is? Okay, like I said, so God, God has this plan. He goes, hey, here's, here's my plan. I'm really excited. He creates man. He creates the earth. I mean, on the first day, and this is what I teach, like high-level uh, executives. Again, don't tell anybody this, but I'm just going to drop it on you. Just quick, quick truth bomb. <sighs> the earth was dark, void, chaotic. God says, let there be light. On the first day, light represents vision. God says, vision is very important for your life. Everything starts with light. On the second day, God created the, the, the firmament. He created the heavens, which speaks of, of atmosphere. So after there's light, then there was atmosphere. On the third day, God created the earth. That represents structure. Now watch this. So here's, here's how the word of God works. This is on the first page, by the way. On the first page, God gives us a template for life, but we miss it. That's why we've fallen by the second page. Because everything God did, he did so you would do it like him. And when you decide to do your marriage your way, when you decide to do your finances your way, when you decide to do your life your way, guess what? You're on the second page. So on the third day, God creates the earth. That speaks of structure. So watch this. First day, light, vision. Second day, heaven before earth speaks of atmosphere. Third day, earth speaks of structure. Fourth day, God created the, the sun, the moon, the stars. And he said, the sun will govern the earth by day. The moon will govern the earth by night. That speaks of order. So watch this. On the first four days of creation, here's what God did. He said, you need to have a vision. You need to have the right atmosphere. You need to get the right structure and then get things in order. On the fifth day, God said, now listen, this is pretty amazing. So on the fifth day, God said, here's, here's, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is everything on the earth that creeps, by the way, this is a good thing. Even God created creeps. So everything that creeps on the earth, God created it. So everybody say movement. Now watch this. Is there ever been a time in your life, maybe right this second, where things are not moving in the right direction? Let's go backwards on the fourth day of creation. Things are out of order. Well, things are out of order. Let's go back on the third day. Your structure's not right. Let's go back to the second day. Your atmosphere's wrong. Let's go back to the first day. There's darkness, void, chaos, because there is no light, and you don't have a vision. So now watch this. I'm just going to drop it real quick. I'm not even doing my message yet. So watch this. Everything in the Bible is a template. Say template. So listen, this isn't just a book about stories and, oh, so bad. It's like a Bible. Why should I read the Bible? Because everything in the Bible is a template for how you can live your life and be God-like because you're his sons and daughters. Put an amen on that. Amen. On the sixth day, God creates man. So that represents relationship. All right, how are your relationships? Don't answer. Because the greatest pain, the greatest sorrow, the greatest gain, and the greatest blessings will come from your relationships. He said, my relationships aren't that good right now. Let's go back. It's because things weren't moving in the right direction when you got in the relationship in your own life. Let's go back. It's because the truth is your life was out of order. Hey, let's go back. Well, the truth is your structure wasn't right. Well, let's go back to the second day. Your atmosphere is wrong. Your attitude, the culture that you're creating, your beliefs. Let's go back. There's darkness. There's void. You have chaos in your life because you don't have light and you don't have a right vision. Shall we go home? Oh, but wait. There's one more day. On the seventh day, God says, hey, Awaken Church, this is Sunday. I don't want you to work on Sundays. 
Because really success begins on Sunday. Because success is the day, it's called the Sabbath. Keep it holy and keep it for me. So Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, let me say something about Chick-fil-A. It's only the number one franchise in the history of the world, but Chick-fil-A makes more than all of them put together, including McDonald's, including Burger King, including Carl's, including whatever else y'all got out of here. There's one that is king, and the one does more than all the other combined. It's called Chick-fil-A. Guess when they're closed? Oh, there's a song about it. Closed on Sunday. You know what I'm saying. Don't do your business on Sunday. Don't be doing other stuff on Sunday. God said on the seventh day he rested because it was a picture. It was a picture that on earth you're supposed to have a little bit of heaven. Now I'm going to reveal my age. A group called the Platters. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, girl, just wait. I'm about to go there right this second. Heaven on earth, that's what you are to me. God intended for your life, your job, your marriage, your family, your finances to be heaven on earth. But watch this. You say, mine looks like hell on earth. Well, let's go back. How's your relationships? Oh, let's go back. Are things moving in the right direction in your own heart and life? Oh, oh, let's go back. Are things out of order? Oh, let's go back. Is your structure right? Well, let's go back. What kind of atmosphere are you creating? Let's go back. There's darkness. There's void. There's chaos in my life. There is no light. Because I don't realize I'm the one that has to say, let there be light. And then Jesus said, Adjust the mic to the mouth. Thank you so much. I said, Jesus said, and I looked down. Here's what Jesus is saying. Adjust the mic to your mouth. I, <laughs> yes, Lord. That's so funny. Jesus said, I looked down. Adjust the mic to your mouth. Yes, Lord, I hear you. When you understand that we've all sinned, we've all missed the mark, we've all fallen short of what God wants, it's not that we have to do all this stuff. Watch this. These are just stories, good, bad, and ugly, of how people have either served God or how they haven't. And we have these stories to teach us, I want to do what God wants, not what they did or didn't do. So God's always been looking for a people. By Genesis 12, he finds a guy named Abram. Long story short, he said, I want you to get away from your family. <laughs> really? Yeah, your family of origin that you had nothing to do with, you were just born into it. Yeah, but isn't blood thicker than water? No, that was in a Shakespearean play. That's a line out of a Shakespeare play, not a line out of the Word of God. Oh, but my family's so important. Blood's thicker than water. You're, you're in drama if you believe that. Because Shakespeare wrote it. It's not in there. 
Y'all just listen to me. Some of y'all got so much dysfunction going on in your family, and you think you have to put up with it because they're your family. No, let me tell you something. Listen to me. God said, Abram, I'm looking for a man, and you got to get away from your family. What was he saying? Because of their paradigms. It's not where I'm taking you. You were born into it, but I've got a destiny for you that has nothing to do with your history. So then he says, I want you to change your country. Get out of your country. Get away from those people. Get out of that place. And I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. And he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to make your name famous. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. Oh, by the way, the whole earth is going to be blessed because of you. In verse 4 of Genesis 12, this is so powerful, John. The Bible says Abraham didn't go, yeah, but hey, I like my family. And you know, what's my family going to think if I just move me and my family away? And what's it, like, go to a country that I know not of. Go to a place that I know not of. Like, no, no, no. You know what verse 4 says? And he departed. Right. Yeah. I'm out. God said, go, I'm going to go. Where are you going? I don't know. But wherever I go, if it's dark, I'm going to say, let there be light. I'm going to make sure my atmosphere is right, my attitude's right, my beliefs are right, my behaviors are going to be right. Then I'm going to make sure I structure my life right. By the way, that's what tithing is. It's a structure issue. That's why God says, listen, you got to understand something. I am the one that's given you the power to get wealth. Watch this. It ain't your money. It's my breath in you. I blew breath in a dom. And I blew breath in you, so don't think it's your money and that it's a lot of money. I don't know what a lot is to you, but my a lot is changing. My a lot is changing. So God says, the first dollar of every 10 before the government, before you pay all your bills, the first dollar of every 10, God says, is mine. So at that point, you don't, you're not giving the first dollar of every 10, you're returning it. Because God says, if you'll understand that the first is mine, then watch what I do with the 90%. And some of y'all, listen, some of y'all having a hard time with that. You're having a hard time with that. That's why you're being stopped. And by the way, what happens before you get stopped is you get stuck. So a lot of people are stuck in their relationships. They're stuck in a dead-end job. They're stuck in life, and they can't figure out. The end game of being stuck is stopped. So watch this. Structure. Why would God, what's, what's, what's about, what, what is structure? How do you structure your finances? Start there. How do you structure? So many people, my dad didn't know about finances. You know what my dad made? Listen, you know what my dad made when he retired from the Dallas Police Department in 1975? His salary was $994 a month. When I bought my first house, so he retires in 75. When I bought my first house and the first house that I bought, my house payment was $776 a month. My dad said, you have lost your mind. And I said, Dad, I want you to look at that house, because I was 23. I said, I want you to look at that house. That is the smallest house I'll ever have. He went, he got, my dad just goes. I said, I haven't lost my mind. I've just gotten in the game. And to make a long story short, this, is, this message is not about houses and cars and possessions. This message is about 
What does God own? Everything. Everything. No matter what kind of car you drove here today. Man, I hope I get to my message because it's really a good message. <laughs> but I'm speaking to somebody. Every material that the car you drove in here, God made. It came from the earth. God made it. That's my car. Well, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And somebody figured out how to take something from the earth and make a car and monetize it. Yeah, my house is my house. Well, it came from the earth. So why wouldn't we put God first when everything that we have on came from the earth? Just to say, God, I return to you what you say is yours. And he goes, good. Now I can open the windows of heaven over your life, pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain. Now I can rebuke the devourer on your behalf, and you can be like Abraham, one of my chosen few who actually live this thing. So he departed. He left. Long story short, he established a family. That family became a tribe. That tribe became a nation. That nation became a kingdom, which is a template for how the kingdom of God is supposed to work. By the way, with a whole lot of dysfunction in between. How many of y'all have ever had a little bit of dysfunction? Oh, let me ask it a different way because I know some of you go, oh, no, 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 no. That's called a blind spot. I'll give, I'll give you one more chance. How many of y'all have ever had a little dysfunction in your life? Okay, how, okay, let me ask a better question. How many of y'all known somebody that's been really dysfunctional? Okay, that easy. Huh? That's, that's, that's better. That's a better question. But, but listen very carefully. God's always been looking for a people. 1950, little small Arkansas town. Old guy pulls up in front of a grocery store and goes in and buys his groceries, and he has this thought. Man, if I could just, if I could just like, go to one store and get everything I need. Ten years, or actually 12 years later, 1962, the first Walmart opened. By 1992, 30 years later, when Sam Walton passed away, he had amassed a personal fortune of $8.6 billion. Oh, but that's nothing. He had four children. His four children, based on December 2019, are worth $190 billion. Listen to me now. God's always looking for a people. He's looking for a man who will establish a family, who will become a tribe, who will become a nation and a part of a bigger kingdom, the kingdom of God. So watch what happens. Not only that are his children, listen now, the wealthiest family in the history of the world. Not the Saudis, not the people that you would think. The Walton family, the four kids, are the wealthiest family in the history of the world. Oh, you hear all about Bezos, right? Man, he's about to do He's worth a hundred billion. Hey, he ain't he touching the Walmart family. And by the way, his family got fractured. So he just became worth half. God's always looking for a man who will establish a family, who will establish a nation, who will be part of a kingdom so that wealth can be built and grow. Why? 
so the whole earth can be filled with the glory of God. Oh, Walmart company. Yeah, we hear, you know, we hear all about Amazon. Don't you love Amazon? Amazon Prime. Dude, I do it. Amazon, man. Oh, it's all great. It's all good. It's all good. But Walmart this last year, 2019, did $514 billion. They have 1.5 million, what they call associates, that make them the fifth largest city, if they were a city in America, that work in a company that's owned by a family that was started by a man. So listen very carefully. I tell you that story to say this, the Waltons are the wealthiest family in the history of the world, but they're not the wealthiest tribe in the world. Guess who the wealthiest tribe in the world is? The one God started, they're called the Jews. Oh, you say, well, what, 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 what do you mean? Did you know that the Jews, and there might be some, some Jewish people here, did you know that the Jews are not a race? Everybody thinks the Jews are a race. There's no DNA. There's no genetic code for a Jew. Hitler said we're going to eradicate them as a race. They're not a race. You know what a Jew is? Listen very carefully. A Jew is somebody who has decided to buy into the customs, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors of a group of people. Jew comes from Jacob's grandson, Judah, and the name Jew comes from the family that became a tribe. Now, let me just put this in perspective for you. The wealthiest tribe in the history of the world is a group of people called the Jews. In America, how many Jews are there? Five million only. Of those five million Jews, a third of all multimillionaires are Jews. Listen to this. On the Forbes 400 that just came out, the top 40 of the Forbes 400 are of Jewish descent. 43% of all Nobel Prizes have gone to Jews. Anybody want to be a Jew? Okay, it's like, it's like man, they're lucky. Boy, I didn't come from that side of the track. Has nothing to do with this side of the track. You see, so many people that are white and black and Hispanic and whatever else label you want somebody else to put on you that keeps you from being a true son and daughter of God are so focused on, watch this, their ethnicity or their nationality that they forget God has always been looking for a person and a people. So listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. There's a lot more I could say. I just don't have time. And man, this was such a great message. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> Ladies, you'll appreciate this. According to Business Journal, the 50 top most influential women in the world, 25 of them are Jews or of Jewish descent. If this doesn't intrigue you, it should. 
Because God said in Deuteronomy 14, you are my special treasure. I've chosen you and set you apart. Oh, let me give you one other quick little factoid. 20% of all foreign trade or foreign aid from the U.S. goes to a little tiny country called Israel. Not to poor people in Africa. Not to help this or help that. 20% of our foreign aid goes to a little country called Israel. How much is your tax dollars going of, of your tax dollars are going to the little tiny nation of Israel that's surrounded by enemies? Let me tell you how much. $10.5 million of your tax dollars every day goes into their economy. To put that in perspective, that's $3.1 billion a year that we give to Israel. Oh, why is America the most blessed country in the earth? Oh, 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 it's because it's because we're so smart. Like we're smarter than the Chinese, right? No. Oh, oh, we're smarter than those Russians for sure. Trying to fix the election stuff. We're we're figuring it out. Why do you think America? from its inception, has been the most blessed country, the blessed country in the history of the world. God's always been looking for a people, a man, a woman, a family who will become a tribe, that will become a nation, that will become a part of his kingdom. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, one of my favorite scriptures, that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth to see who he can lay his hands on, those that are loyal to him. And so I'm asking God tonight to stop in San Diego. And God, I'm asking you to look down. I'm asking you to see a room full of people. I don't know any other church in America, and I'm all over, y'all. I don't know any other church in America on Sunday night. If I called a Sunday night service in my church, I might have like 100 but that's packed out, that has overflow. What is it that God is saying? He's looking for a tribe. He's looking for a group of people. He's looking for somebody that he can put his hand on. Awaken church. I believe that is you. I believe you're with the right people in the right place at the right time. And the right things are going to happen starting now in your life. Now... I'm not going to get to my message, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but I hope you'll hear what I'm saying. Why would God want to find a man who would lead a family, who would lead a tribe, who would become a nation, who would represent how his kingdom looks? And for thousands of years... They're the wealthiest tribe in the history of the world. Demon-possessed dictators like Hitler have tried to take them out. They're surrounded by forces of darkness on every side. And yet God says, they're a group of people that I've decided to put my hand on. 
I will bless those that bless them. I will curse those that curse them. Watch this. And all the families of the earth will be blessed because of them. So guess what? Guess who owns the entertainment industry? Guess who owns the sports industry? Guess who owns most of the clothing manufacturing that you're wearing? Get, oh, it's these people that aren't even a race, but buy into enough of the belief, the behaviors, and the attitude that God can say, I choose you. So I leave you with this question. Why would God be still today looking for a, a man, looking for a woman, looking for a family, looking for a tribe like this that he could put his hand on? Exodus 33. Moses says, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. The Bible says he hides him in a cleft of a rock. And he said, I'm going to cause my glory to pass before you. And here's what the glory of God is. It's the goodness of God. And his goodness passed before Moses. And it was a picture. And the picture is this. Why would God choose a people? Not just the Jews. But by the way, fast forward, Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Jesus became a curse for us. He took our sins. He died on a cross for us. Watch this. And those who received Jesus Christ into their life, the blessing of Abraham comes on their life and they're grafted in and they become a part of those chosen people. You see, if you've invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart, guess what? He has chosen you even before you chose him. Watch this. And the inheritance of the blessing of Abraham comes on us. Now, let me just say this to you because some of you are sitting here and you're just like, whoa, 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 well, Why would God want a chosen people? I don't know of any church. I'm just telling you. I'm not, I'm not saying this to make you feel good, but I hope it does. There's no other church I know of in America that on Sunday night is having overflow. What in the heaven is going on at Awakened Church? What in the heaven is going on? with you. What in the heaven is going on in your family? What in the heaven is going on in your business? What in the heaven is going on in your finances? That's exactly what's going on. God's bringing heaven to your earth. He's bringing his possibility into your impossibility. He's bringing his super into your natural in the name of Jesus. I'm just about through. I'm a minute 16 over, and I haven't even gotten to my message. I've gone long all day. Can I get 10 minutes? 10 minutes, that's it. Just 10 minutes. Thank you, and the rest of you, I promise I'm more hungry than you. Believe me. All in this journey of God looking for a man, looking for a woman, looking for a family, looking for a tribe, looking for a nation, looking for a kingdom. There's just missteps and mishaps along the way. And one of them happened after a 430-year exile into Egypt. They were slaves. It was God's people. They were slaves. And God sends a deliverer. His name was Moses. 
He said, let my people go. And they got out of Egypt. <sighs> they got out of Egypt. Some of y'all tonight, you're about to get out of your Egypt. I'm prophesying over you. That's my third prophecy tonight. You're about to get out of your Egypt. They get out of Egypt. And just about three months later, God tells Moses, I want you to assemble the best of the best. And I want you to find a leader in every tribe. In one translation, it says a spy, but it was the leader of the tribe. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to look at the land that I've given you. I want you all to go into the promised land that I've given you. And I want you to see that it's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. They come back and report that to the people. I want the leaders to see it first. Rewind. I want the leaders to see it first. Men, listen to me. I want the leaders of the family to see it first. So you can give a clear vision. There can be a right atmosphere. Get your structure right. Get the order right. Get things moving in the right direction. Have right relationships. Fight the good fight so that heaven on earth can come into your family and your business and there can be an open heaven over your life. Are you, are you tracking with me? They go in and the 12 spies come back. 10 of them are like this. Oh. <laughs> Two of them, Joshua and Caleb. Man, we went over there and the grapes are like watermelons. Me and Caleb brought it back. This is the proof of the fruit. It's unbelievable. It is a land that's flowing in milk and honey. I have a dream. I have seen the future. I've been to the mountain. You see, it always takes a visionary, somebody that can see what other people that are in bondage can't see. I've been to the mountain. I've seen the mountain. It takes a leader to see it. You gotta see it for your family. You gotta see it for your business. You gotta see it for your employees. Listen, 7,487 promises in the Bible that are for you. Be seated, I'm almost through. How many of those promises are you living in? So while they're talking about the good things that God has in the future, listen, the 10, the majority say, hey, hey, it's true what they're saying. Indeed, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, but there's big walls there. There's, un there's unbelievable kind of obstacles. There's... We're going to have to fight those people. They're, they're giants. And while what, what Joshua and Caleb are saying is true, where God has promised that we're going, we can't. We're not able. Caleb ripped his jacket off. Literally. Tears, I wish I could, but I can't. If I was Steve Weatherford, I would, and I'd show my abs and all that, but I can't. He tears his clothes, and he goes, we are able! Because God said we're able! 
Non, 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 non. Shut him up. You know what Caleb's name means? Dog-like. That's the kind of spirit that he had. The 10 overtook the two and they said, we're not able to. And I close with this. But Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who spied out the land, who, who said that's what God said, that's what's gonna happen. They tore their clothes. They spoke to the congregation. The land that we pass through is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into that land and he'll give it to us. He'll give us buildings. When people said in San Diego, you can't buy a building. It's too expensive. He'll give us buildings. Why? Because his plan has never changed. Oh, listen, we hear about the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even though we don't live it, we know it. We hear about the great commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Baptizing them, making disciples. But we forget about the great assignment that's never changed. The great assignment is... God said, hey, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. And the Bible says that he blessed them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Your assignment, Awakened Church, is to be fruitful. It is to multiply in business, in family, in life. It is to fill the earth with the glory of God. It is to take dominion. I can't give this message in every church, but I can say it to you. Because you've been awakened. I'm almost through. Just give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Holy, do not rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people. Don't fear what you see with your eyes. Here's what they said. For they are bread for us. So they just come out of 40 years of bondage. I'm sorry, 430 years of bondage. And they had an 11 day journey to go where God wanted them to and they got stuck and therefore they got stopped. Listen very carefully. And they decided we can't rather than we can do all things through Christ who is our strength. They decided that no matter what God promised, 7,487 promises in this book, that, well, that's not going to be possible. You don't understand my situation. And they excused themselves from the power of God's promises that were theirs to obtain. And Joshua and Caleb said, but those giants are bread for us. So because the people rebelled against the Lord, watch this, they went into the wilderness. They went from Egypt into the wilderness, into the desert. 
And what should have taken 11 days took 40 plus years. And guess what they had to learn? That God could bring a water from a rock if he wanted to in the desert. That God could bring manna from heaven. They griped about that too. Then he gave them birds, quail from heaven. They griped about that too. So for 40 years, they went around in circles, griping, bellyaching about what they didn't have. And they even started saying, let's go back to Egypt. Let's kill our leaders and get some new leaders. Does that sound insane to you? The only reason it sounds insane is because you know the story. But there's so many people, that's how they're living their life. Last Friday, on Valentine's, I hope you had a good Valentine's. Yes, ma'am. Sir. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 she didn't say it because she had a good Valentine's. He gave her a good Valentine's. Now, let me tell you something. Y'all listen to me. On Valentine's, I chose the day. Not to take my wife out like I had every Valentine since we were 15. For 529 months of our relationship, for 44 years of Valentine's together, I chose last Friday to have heart surgery. Last Friday, I was on an operating table. They weren't sure about the future for me because what they call a widowmaker. My main artery in my heart was 95% blocked. I said, we're not sure how this is going to go. So to make a long story short, I asked my nurse before I was going into surgery, I said, how many surgeries like this will the doctor do today? And she said, it's 1030 and he's already done four. She said, we make, we make room because we never know what we're going to get into when we get into somebody's heart because we have to go in through the heart into the widowmaker. And I said, would you tell him I'd like to talk to him? She goes, ah, well, that's probably, that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, he's so busy. He's got back to back to I said, no, no. I said, look at me. I said, I want you to tell him I want to talk to him. She goes, I'll tell him that. I said, just tell him what I said. She goes, yes, sir. Okay, Mr. Kraft, I will. Okay, I can't promise anything. I said, I know. I know. And my thought was, but I have promises from God. My little daughter, Keela, was with me and my wife. My daughter, Keela, is a prophet. She's a woman of God. I said, Keela, when the doctor comes in and he's going to, I want you to lay hands on him because he's going into my heart on Valentine's. And I said, and we're going to get this fixed. She goes, okay, Daddy. Show sure enough. He come in. I said, hey, this is my daughter, Keela. She's a woman of God. And since you're going to be like messing on the inside of my heart, I want her to lay her hands on your hands. He goes, he goes well, I want you to know something. I've got a picture of Jesus on my phone. So Ruth. He goes, so where I have my fingerprint, he had a picture of Jesus. Some of you may have seen it. It's this animation of Jesus standing around these doctors while they're doing heart surgery. I said, then you're the right guy. I said, Keila, lay your hands on it. She took his hands. 
spoke over him. She prayed. So they got in there. They got it fixed. Listen. And so here I am the next weekend. Because I want you to know I'm chosen by God. I'm chosen by God. And so are you. So are you. So are you. <laughs> Go ahead and stay standing. I'm through, but I want you to listen very carefully what I'm about to say. Here's my assignment without preaching my message. But I hope you've heard God tonight. Listen very carefully now to what I'm about to tell you. Some of you are involved in a battle right now. I'm telling you, on a physical level, it doesn't get much more of a battle than when they're about to take you into heart surgery on Valentine's. By the way, uh, Becky, my wife was so glad. She goes, I've been wanting your heart to get fixed on Valentine's. This is going to be amazing. Our Valentine's Day gift was, I got me, I got me fixed, you know. But here's what I felt like the Lord spoke to me. If the giants that they were facing were their bread for them, whatever struggle and battle that you have, that you face, and God is on your side based on the promises that are on the other side, it doesn't matter what the struggle is. It becomes bread for you and actually gives you access and entry into your next level. So real quick, real quick, we're not going to take a lot of time. If you're in some kind of battle, if you're in some kind of struggle right now in your life, here's my word. This is the fourth prophecy and the last one of the night. Your battle is your bread. It's your bread for where God's taking you. And he's always been looking for a people. They'll say, yes, I'm not going to be afraid of the giants. I'm not going to be afraid. Listen, I've worked. Y'all listen to me. I've worked my tail off since I was 15 to be in shape. I'm telling you, I've worked my tail off. And the doctors told me when I was 47, they said, you've got what's called Sherpa blood. I said, what in the heck is that? They said, your blood is so powerful, it's superhuman. It's superhuman blood, but it's causing some lacerations in your arteries. We're going to have to watch that. I don't have a heart problem. The thing that's made me a superhuman, I have 2010 vision in my left eye at 60, 2015 in my right eye. I've got unbelievable strength in my body, and yet the thing that's a strength, the enemy tries to use it against me, just like he tries to use your strengths against you. So here's what I'm telling you. Your battle, whatever it is, God has wired you to overcome because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. He knows the family. Listen. He knows the family you were born into. He knows the difficulties of your life. He knows every struggle before you ever go through it. And I want you to shift something today to decide. Every battle that I'm in now, every battle in the future, every struggle I face, it's my bread for access into the promises that God has for me. Come on, church. If you got a struggle going on, the greatest struggle is you're in your heart with God. So whatever the battle, whatever the struggle, get your up here right now. Let me pray for you. Come right this second. I'm in a battle. I'm in a struggle because God's going to take that battle and that struggle and it's going to become your bread. Come on.
It's going to become your bread. Come on. Come on. Come on. Go ahead, guys. Just, just pile in. Just get up here. Just get up here. Just give us a second, guys. We're almost through. Come on. Come on. I speak over you that from this day forward, your battle is your bread. Don't make it about the struggle. God knew there was giants. now this struggle this battle is my pass to go from where I am into the promises of God this battle is my bread that's what the word of God says this battle didn't say what the battle was the giants the walls the disappointments, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, this battle is my bread. So I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, you don't have to say it loud, but let it come from the inside of you and say, this battle is my bread. One, two, three, come on. This battle is my bread. Say it again, come on. This battle is my bread. Say it again. Come on. Everybody say it because you're going to go through some struggles. You're going to go through some stuff. Decide right now. Whatever the battle is, this battle, that battle, no matter what the battle, no matter what the struggle, it's my bread. I have an inheritance. I've got promises that God has for me. For my family, this battle is my bread. Come on. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.